This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. You started this time. I'll start? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm Gordon McGlattery. I'm Matthew Martinson. Welcome to Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. That was weird. Was it weird? Yeah, I didn't, I was like, how do we even start? So, uh, how's things going? Uh, they're all right. Yeah? Yeah. I want to start off. I am recording on a new microphone. Mm-hmm. I saw it. It's gold. It's it is shiny. Gold. It is. I read an article linked from somewhere. I can't remember where about how to do audio really cheap. Mm-hmm. It was aimed at developers who have no audio people. And right. It was like, oh, if you can't hire an audio person, this is how you can get away with doing it yourself for like super cheap. And in there, he had some like straight from China eBay mics. So I bought one. I the, like where this is going. The BM800. The bowel movement? Possibly. 20 bucks, less than 20 bucks Canadian, shipping included. Okay. Straight to my door. <laughs> That's what I'm using for this podcast. Let's leave... Today. Okay, let's leave a marker for me because I'm editing, right? Um, let's, let's just get some like raw audio with it. So the next thing you say will be unprocessed. Note to Gord, editing. Okay, so this here is straight mic, no processing, you know, uh, going through a nice mic pre, but this is just the mic, no EQ, no compression, just raw. $20. $20. Okay. And you are on the TLM 103, the like $1,400 mic. Right. But I am noticing my signal's a bit lower than that one right now. I'm going through the so nice mic a pre. Bit. You're going through the nice pre. Oh, yeah. I'm going right straight into the inbox. Mm-hmm. But I did some tests with it when yeah. I got it in here. Uh, I ran not not really great tests, but like I was just hot hot swapping through the same mic pre. Right. Um, between the, the 103 and this guy. And my conclusion was voice sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty like it's uh, it's very noisy. Okay. In comparison. Um, when I started doing impacts... Yeah, started to get a little dicey, and I did some cap gun, like to get some real transients, and that started to fall apart. Okay. So there is some some limits to it, but it started getting me thinking about like, okay, we all start out, and it's like, you buy cheap gear, and then you like, oh, you you buy something a little bit better and a little bit better. Hopefully you don't do this, but a lot of people, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do this little leapfrogging where you get a little better, a little better, and I was starting to think of like, well, maybe if you start out. Just buy the cheapest thing you can. Yeah. I.e. the eBay $20 mic. The BM-800. The BM-800. <laughs> and and then just wait until you can get something really good. Like, just save up. Like, because this thing will get you started. You could use this thing. Like, this is legit. Like, I'm really surprised. I would not... If I knew this was available when I started out, I wouldn't have gone and spent, like, $200 on a microphone. I would have just got this. Yeah, because the, the the upgrade is not huge. No. This was a tenant of, uh, and this is a good PDF. If you've, I haven't read it for years, so yep. maybe it's not completely accurate, but I think it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Also, it was a Reaper thing, so Reaper people have probably read it. Yep. Um, I brought, I've probably brought it up on the podcast before, but it was a PDF that was originally a forum post on the Kakos forum, which is the Reaper forum. Yep. And it was called, Why Do Your Recordings Sound Like Ass? And it's, you know, there's an acronym for it. Yeah. That you can uh, look up. 
But and somebody, it was so long. Mm-hmm. It was by this guy or girl. He they remained very anonymous about their gender and just identity in yeah. general. Um, who had been a professional engineer and were now like more of a hobbyist, but they did like a 200 page forum post yeah. on this is how to record professionally. Yeah. And it was so good because it was more philosophy oriented. Uh-huh. And one of the things he brought up was he or she brought up was don't do the leapfrog thing. Yeah. Yeah. Get bad and then get good because the good stuff never gets bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're using the same, we're still idolizing the same microphones we've been idolizing for 40, 50 years. Yeah. In a lot of cases, still idolizing the microphones that got replaced by a said newer version. Yeah. In some cases, too. You know, we still like the old original stuff. Like uh, Neumann 184s, I much prefer the original 84s over mm-hmm. the 184s. So, you know, there's So, you're going to spend as much money by doing the leapfrog thing over time anyways. Is basically oh, you're going to spend more saying. money. Maybe more. If you go through 3 prosumer preamps before yeah. you finally buy the $2000 preamp. You probably still bought spend... them on top of everything else. Yeah. 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 So, stick to your crappy one. Well, my rule is don't buy anything until somebody makes you buy something. <laughs> <laughs> until somebody or some project dictates that you need to upgrade. Yeah. I don't buy anything otherwise. Yep. Sorry, we may have just thrown out a bunch of potential sponsors. <laughs> but I've, it's interesting. I've, I've, I've found a new low that you can start from. Yeah. Originally, yeah, I, was, right. just originally I was like, oh, you know, you can spend like a hundred bucks and you get a de- you know, decent mic to start out with. Now I'm like, no, like 15 bucks, shipping yeah. included. <laughs> We're going to find uh, the some next- kid online that is just really good at b- making mics out of Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> gear. Well, this is the interesting thing too. Um, I was my plan was if this mic didn't it was really garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always do mic upgrades, and I could get a new capsule for it, new electronics, so it gives you like fifteen dollars for a shell that you're going to gut and spend right. like two or three hundred dollars on, and then you've got a like a thousand dollars sounding mic. And now you've got another mic you're not afraid to put in dangerous places. Oh, that's well. one of the things I'm really excited too. Like $15, I'll buy these things in bulk and yeah. put them in the worst places ever. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, ran that one over again. <laughs> just go go and get another one it's out like, of the box. <laughs> I'm going to let an elephant eat this. Yeah. <laughs> just put a long mic cable on this. Yeah, really <laughs> long cable. Sweet. All right, well, oh, starting also, speaking. Uh, the okay. next, next experiment is I've seen they have... Uh, because, yeah, this one was, I think, was actually $15. Um, I've seen... It was actually $15. Sorry I, to misquote. So, so, sorry for 20 It's 15 yeah, Sorry if we freaked anyone out with the original <laughs> price. But I did also see... But wait, there's more. Direct from China, $20 shotgun mics. Oh, wow. Okay, we got to so, try that, too. So that's my next experiment. Is okay. I'm going to get the, like, the, the really cheap shotgun mic. Okay, sweet. So more. So you're doing it for the rest of us right now. Yeah. You're not doing the, I'm going to start low and I, I get just a good got, one. You're, I, you're like, I know what good ones do. Yeah. Let's see what the crappy got, ones do. I, I was just interested by like, what, these have got to be coming from the same factories a lot of these like MXL and other Chinese mics are coming from. Yeah. It's just there's way less QA done on them and everything. So I think it's pretty hit and miss. But for $15, uh, I can buy a couple of them. Yeah. So yeah, it's like two I, Vancouver coffees. It's like just an experiment. I was like, this is so cheap. I can just get these and see what happens. Yeah. 
So yeah. yeah, maybe we'll see. I'll, I'm going to get one of the shotguns. We'll see what happens with that. I'll report okay. back. Sweet. We should do some whooshes with it. <laughs> we actually spin the mic. Yes. Instead of I'll the source. I'll be happy to do that. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Well, speaking of starting from the bottom. Yeah. We're going to go over studio stuff. Yeah. Because we both probably moving. had. I'm moving. so You're I'm, moving. And, and so my headspace is new, new studio time. You're converting a bedroom into a studio. Which I love. Yeah. Um, despite the effort. <laughs> and uh, I think we've probably both had a bunch of not great studios in our lives. Yep. And uh, so we're going to go through some little history. <laughs> From the bad to the okay. Um, I'll start out a little bit. Sure. I know you've done more research on this, um, I hope. I Yes, just over the course of my life. Yeah. Uh, so I have never had a dedicated room as a freelancer. Right. Um, when I worked in AAA, I had, had rooms, and I've worked in proper, good, awesome recording studios. But as far as, like, as a freelancer, I've never had a dedicated room. Mm-hmm. I've always been working out of a section of my living room or or whatever. So it's always convert a corner of my place yeah. into a thing and do some crappy sound treatment. <laughs> I, I got to say that the, the, what's available as far as product and instructions on how to DIY it is so much better now. Yeah, it's way better. It's better like, than when I was starting out too. The what I've What I've still got on my walls is what I started out as a freelancer where I went to a mattress company who did custom foam work, mm-hmm. got a bunch of like thick egg crate foam made for me, mm-hmm. so thicker than normal, but still not great, um, and glued it to acoustic panels right? so I could attach it to my walls. So it's like it does something for sure. There's definitely a difference when I put it up, but it's not like any sort of scientific attempt at anything. Yeah. And I got them to make me some big blocks of foam to put in my corners as, as base traps. Right, right, right. So I got that as well. But it's pretty Mickey Mouse. And, uh, you know, if I measured it, it'd probably be like, wow, this is not doing what it should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go through, because I started off, I started out completely ignorant. Yeah. When I was starting, it wasn't for recording necessarily. It was... It was like the ignorant, the level of ignorance I started out with was not knowing the difference between soundproofing and sound conditioning. Yeah. I didn't even know sound conditioning was a thing. Yeah. Or that reverb was a thing, reverb and reflections uh, were a thing to be controlled. Mm-hmm. And acoustic engineers will tell you that you don't actually get reverb in a room, it's just reflections, but that's not the space we're working in. <laughs> we're not acoustic engineers. We're uh. just trying to make a buck. Um, <laughs> This goes to back to a lot of Reddit arguments I've had. Yep. The first rooms I had were with my band in university. Yeah. And these are but and these are so awful. Yeah. That but I'm actually I'm pretty pretty excited to talk about them because <laughs> I'm not ashamed. So let me think. So our first jam spaces had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just by the grace of God had neighbors that let us play. Yeah. With the loudest drummer on earth. (laughs) He wasn't having fun unless it was deafening. Yeah. So that was at his house. Then we moved to uh, a place that I had Mm -hmm. that I lived with with a bunch of um, other students and a couple non-students. I was actually not a student. I had just graduated. It was called The Shit Dive, and it was a terrible, (laughs) terrible house. As as the name implies. Yeah. And we... 
jammed in the garage. And what? And we were getting noise complaints from the neighbors <laughs> yeah. because we had the loudest drummer on earth. Yeah. So we, the police were coming, and we had to work out how to... First, we were hoping we could stop the noise. Yeah. So we got as much just stuff as we could. We had a spare mattress kicking around, so we leaned that against the garage door. Yeah. Uh, then the, the basement flooded, mm-hmm. and our landlord didn't want to do anything about it himself so he's we were like the carpets seem to be molding (laughs) and he said we'll tear them up then so we tore up the carpets and i stapled them to the walls of the garage so you've got moldy so we have moldy carpet and carpet under underlay stapled to the walls of the garage just in patches yeah yeah just like in gross patches not not nothing even close to anywhere sealing the entire place and nothing on the ceiling, of course, which is where all the sound was going out for the most part. Yeah. Because the ceiling went to the deck. There was no insulation. Yeah. Just shooting out into the suburbs <laughs> of Victoria, B.C. That didn't do jack shit. Uh, except make the room stink. Yep. And maybe provided some sound conditioning. But Rob, we wouldn't be kinda. able to tell the difference. Yeah. It may have dampened a thing or two. But uh, we continued to get noise complaints until we... J- just kept our jams to like 3 p.m. and just started really early in the day. Yeah, we'd have our our like we we'd have to leave work early <laughs> for band practice. We're pretty dedicated. Yeah. Then we moved. Uh, the next place we were practicing in, we did do some time in a professional jam space. Uh-huh. Too expensive. The next place we were practicing in was in a very nice neighborhood of Victoria. It was the only rental in the neighborhood. Yeah. To the chagrin of our very wealthy neighbors. And a, a band had been in there previously. Oh, yeah. And they had treated the room. Uh-huh. They had treated the room with cardboard boxes about four inches wide, l- loosely stuffed with newspaper. <laughs> To, I don't know, provide mass. I guess that does they, something. Wait, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> and then they had stapled like egg crate, f- yep. fruit egg crate the boxes old, the old to the outside crate. of that. Did nothing. Yeah. Abs- it didn't go to the top of the wall. <laughs> and it actually took a diagonal cut on one corner. And we had someone living in the corner behind it. <laughs> this guy, Kevin, lived in the corner behind the egg crate wall. Uh didn't want to pay much rent. <laughs> and uh, we got tons of noise complaints there. Yeah. Um, we managed to still just learn how to play quieter, Yeah. basically. But so this is when are I you, started are, doing some research. Are you a folk band at this point? We are a rock and roll band. Are you, <laughs> yeah. We are a rock and roll <laughs> a band. A quiet rock band. We just had to, we had to be just, Sean, you need to chill out. <laughs> Even a rock band doesn't need to be this loud. So this is when I started doing some research. Yeah. Because I was starting to get more interested in doing our own, re- doing some recording for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We had we had paid for recording a couple times, weren't that happy with it, mm-hmm. and uh, I was fostering an interest in it. So after we moved out of that place, I had finally read about how to not do things awful. Yeah. And here are the things you have to learn when you're starting out: is soundproofing. So that sound does not escape or come in it's, is extremely difficult and very expensive. Yeah. And there is no way around that. That's yeah. just a physics reality. Yeah. 
That's how sound science works. Stopping thinking, sound is a pain in the ass. Thinking you're, you're going to find some quick and easy, cheap way to do that is is not going to happen. Absolute act of futility. Yeah. It's just, it's just give up on that. Yeah. So when you are thinking about moving into a, a new place mm-hmm. and you're serious about this being a professional endeavor, yep. you do not ha- want to be thinking about, oh, I'm going to soundproof this. Yeah. You have to be thinking about your neighbors, um, what the space itself is like. Yeah. If you move into a concrete building, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Because concrete walls um, do They're a lot good. of soundproofing. Yeah. And the reason for this is that soundproofing requires mass. Yeah. And there's no way to really achieve cheap mass or to install it legally. Or airspaces. Yeah. Is, is the other thing. Transference of energy from one form to another. Like, so through a solid, through a air, and through another solid. Yeah. So, so it's the whole build a room within a room. Basically airtight yeah. barriers yeah. that contain mass. That's yeah. how you achieve soundproofing. Yeah. Um, and I've not been there yet, but I'm. my next studio is going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, because it does provide a lot of just comfort. Yeah. Knowing that nobody can hear you and you're not mm-hmm. a problem to people. And their their stuff isn't bleeding into what you're doing. Yeah. But this isn't that mean this doesn't mean it's hopeless. Yeah. The the ways that I've gotten around it are so say you're apartment hunting, mm-hmm. the things you need to listen for are so you're checking a place out, how much traffic can you hear? Yeah. And what frequencies of the traffic can you hear? Yeah. So if you're in a city, you're almost always going to be able to hear traffic. And the solutions I've found for this are, um, you know, trying to find a place that's further away from the road. But right now, I'm on a main thoroughfare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got lots of traffic coming in. Versus my apartment, I'm on the backside of my apartment building, so I've got the alley. Yeah. I'm, like, off the street. Mm -hmm. It's actually, traffic-wise, really quite good. Yeah. So that's a thing to think about. Yep. You want to know how much... Just ask whoever's showing the apartment how much bleed you're getting between floors. Yeah. Maybe don't tell them, depending on how competitive a market you're in for, you're in for rental. Vancouver's insane, so. Yeah, we're in the worst. Uh, so. so you don't want to just be like, yeah, I'm noisy as hell. <laughs> you want to play off the opposite. You want to say, I do a lot of recording. Yeah. So I don't want a lot of stuff like crosstalk coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, or people stomping around, people chatting coming into my recordings. To be clear, we're still only talking about soundproofing or sound, like, interference annoy- uh, yeah. avoidance. We'll get into conditioning later. Other things you can consider are what I've done, which I am in love with right now, yep. and has helped me a lot, is multi-pattern microphones. Mm-hmm. So that you can control, you know, the directionality of your cardioid pattern. Yep. That's helped me cut out a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The C414 that's, that's... has been great. Um, but that's a pricey one. There are lots of very good entry level multi pattern uh, mics. Something to consider around that is you don't need, I don't think you even need a multi pattern mic. Yeah. You need to know your mic. You yeah. need to know your room and your space. Even if you've just got a regular cardioid, if you really play with your space and know where to put it to, to eliminate the most noise possible. But if you're looking, investigating in a new space, you don't know your space yet. Yeah. So a multi pattern mic gives you lots of options. Yep. Yep. That's a solution. Other things are building little booths in your space. Mm-hmm. The, the space I'm in right now, I'm lucky enough to have a walk-in closet in yeah. that I was able to build into a booth. And that cuts out tons of stuff. 
I would say another thing that's interesting about your current situation um, and something to look for mm-hmm. is your studio room is is an unwindowed room in the middle of the of the house. It's windowed. I blocked off the window. So See, I did I've, ne- I've never seen the window. Yeah, yeah. So it is. <laughs> but it's so it's, you can do some soundproofing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't trying to get everything out though. Mm-hmm. But what I was at you like, I was able to block out. But I, I also it was a ton of work. Yeah. Um, which you can't be afraid of. Yeah, yeah. If you want a good, really good space in your, you have to be able to put the work in. So I used about four inches, no, about six inches of uh, insulation against yeah. the window. So you plugged the, the hole of, of the window. I plugged the hole of the window. So yeah. basically I wanted to turn the window into more wall. Yeah, as so, much as you could. As much as I could. So so that's another thing. If you're looking at a space, try and find the room farthest away from everything. Yeah. You yeah. know, if it's possible. Use whatever mass is available. Yeah. Basically to help your cause. If you can build an encapsulated space of any kind, yep. like doing a whole room might be way out of your budget or mm-hmm. just take up too much space. Yeah. But if you can take a corner and yep. encapsulate that corner with a door and everything, yep. that's going to help a ton. Yeah. I still get up to 200 hertz coming in if a really loud motorcycle comes goes by. Mm-hmm. But usually it sticks stays around 100, 120, yep. which for most vocal vocal recordings and fully recordings okay is not that. a problem yep. um, or is easily uh, RX'd out. Yep. I think those are the things I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's for recording treatment, recording considerations. Yeah. And that's noise coming in and out. Yeah. So, but now, since it's your home studio, it has to be like a multifunctional place. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be your mixing space as well. Which, in a professional studio, a lot of the time, those are going to be different rooms. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Um, but we're doing everything at once. Near-field monitors are kind of a must. Mm-hmm. Because you may not be able to achieve perfect sound conditioning. Yeah. So now we can talk about conditioning. Yeah. Now know. we're on to treatment. Which is a contentious thing. <laughs> um, you will hear so many competing opinions on it. Yeah. Um, Vicious online arguments about it. Yeah. My end game is can I do things in this space and have people pay me to do them? Mm-hmm. I don't really care what the acoustic engineer nerds <laughs> are fighting about. They can fight all they want as long as my clients keep paying me. Yeah. I uh, think I think there's you know, you want to do you want to do something. You want to have a decent sounding room. Yeah. You want to have a room that you can trust. Yes. I think is is the the biggest key about it. You want a room that you can trust what's going on and that the room because of nodes and bad things aren't lying to you. Yes. Um but when you look at, you know, cuz I come from a music background, so I I think a lot of times a, a sort of a musical sense of how rooms sound. Mm-hmm. Um some of the best sounding rooms are not dead. They're not dead and they're not like treated properly and stuff and like the, some of the most famous studios are giant boxy places but for for you know reasons sound really great so there's a sort of like there's that well deaden it all and then there's a well actually you want it to sound good is that a recording room or a monitoring room i think both i think if you make your your monitoring room too dead um it becomes fatiguing to listen in okay um i uh, now Somebody else needs to go do the research because I forget which one's which, but there is the live end dead end theory. Okay. Of control rooms. Okay. You make one end dead 
and one end live. I believe you do the front dead and the back live, but it could be the other way around. Uh, I've heard the front dead and the back diffuse. Yeah. So, yeah. but it's like there's, you don't just deaden everything. Mm -hmm. You create, because if it's dead, that weirds us out. It's like being in an anechoic chamber. Right. You can't handle it. It's weird. So you want a, a controlled amount of liveliness to it so that it sounds pleasing to be in. Right. So, so that's, that's a whole, like, if you want to go into the deep end of stuff, the live end, dead end acoustic theory, like look into that. But that, that may guide some of what you do. Problem, the problem being though, for recording sound effects for games yeah. is if, if your room is going to be doing all, if you're doing everything in one space, yeah, then that kind want, of flies in the face of that. You want a more dead space. So exactly. it's, it's hard. I find it's hard You because you have to balance that dual-use room without making you hate your life of being in it. I love dead rooms so much, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can be in a dead room forever. I like a fairly, So I might be, speci I might be weird. I like, a, I like a deader than normal room, right? Like I, when I go into apartments, you know, apartment hunting, I go into a place and there's nothing in it. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, it's so so live and it's just at least can we get something in here <laughs> you know and then I move in and I throw in my couch and I throw up like half my room treatment that goes up around my studio area and I'm like oh okay this is better right, this is right. better now mm -hmm. and that's one of those things like you're saying there's there's a lot of different theories about what you should do and you kind of gotta like do some research and pick what you think is gonna work for you yeah so like the theories that fly around I feel Non-scientifically trained people, yep. we tend to, we have learned, and this I'm told is wrong, <laughs> that asymmetrical rooms are good. Yep. Because it throws the reflections off and they kind of peter yeah. out. You get less nodes. You get, you get fewer nodes. Yep. However, I have heard the competing argument that mm -hmm. a square room is better because then your nodes are very predictable mm, and, and, very more, and more easily controlled. Right. So, and you can find them and just avoid them. Yeah. As well. But you'll also have a better idea of where to put uh, your panels and stuff. Yeah. But I've had pretty good luck mm -hmm. just getting panels on the wall, making sure they're not completely opposite each other mm -hmm. so that they're sort of just covering all the bases. Yeah. Getting your corners taken care of, getting a base trap in there. Yeah. Um, and, and you can basically get as scientific as you want. Yeah. But I have friends that do good work mm -hmm. um, from a mixing perspective, like win awards and stuff, yep. and they have nothing. Yeah, They're just using near-field monitors in an untreated space. And I used to hate this Yeah, when people said this. Used, I would be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And then they make good stuff, <laughs> and it sounds great, and yep. you can't argue with it. Knowing your space is very important. Near-field monitors... The whole point of them is that you're not paying attention to the rest of the space. Yeah. So you can get away with not that much treatment. I prefer lots yep. of treatment um, because I don't trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to say two things. I remember back when I was very steeped in the music studio mm -hmm. end of things. Um, you'd get these studios, big, huge, expensive studios, and they would go from super crazy acoustic engineers designed them and they're like the math works and like right. and they're beautiful and they sounded great and they're awesome and people loved working in them and then you'd get studios that was a guy who just built lots of studios and had no like formal like scientific training and he built studio rooms 
and they were great. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Do you think? And so, what's, what's going on with Sound City? Yeah. What do you think was happening there? Do you think they had acoustic Sun City engineers? Was a horrible. Yeah. It's, theoretically, Sun City is a horrible room, and all the stuff came out of that. Um, so it goes. It goes sort of both ways. Mm-hmm. And so that said, for uh, game audio, I think we want to err on the side of clinical control. Yeah. Um, so I was going to say, uh, if if you have the chance to have a properly treated calibrated room that's awesome yeah like none of this is saying like oh you know professional facilities we're you not pooing for professionals <laughs> at facilities uh, this is basically we're talking about you're starting out as an in indie game freelancer mm-hmm. like what do you do because you can't build a fully calibrated crazy room um you you can calibrate your system that's, yeah that's something you know once once you get up your your treatment and you know, you've kind of, and there's different systems too to measure what's going on, so you can move your stuff around and get it in the most optimal place. Mm-hmm. So there's those kind of things, and then calibrate your speakers and everything. Like all that, do all that's great. Like, yeah, do as much kind of do as much as you can. Yes, do as much as you can. You want to be working in a space you're confident in. Mm-hmm. That's super important. Yeah. Um, if you're second guessing yourself and. Or if you're getting client complaints, that's even worse. Yeah. And I've, and you're like, what are they talking about? Like sounds they, great in here. Why are they he- what are they talk what are they talking about? They're hearing hearing this tone way louder than other tones. Yeah. It's probably because you're working in a node. Yeah. And you're boosting a frequency that shouldn't be boosted because mm-hmm. you're over, you're hearing more of it than is actually in the recording. Yeah. Something like that. So uh the other things. Yep. Okay, now I guess so treatment, what the heck is treatment? We make it out of panels. Yep. Um, there are lots of, you can do them, you can make them yourselves very inexpensively and they can look really nice. We're in the clay studio right now with the ones Matt built. They're gorgeous. Well, I, 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 I told our contractor what to do. Oh, okay. I, I, I won't say that I actually built them. I, okay. I put all the fabric on all of them. Yeah. Well, that's the part that looks good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're wood frames. They're wood frames with rigid insulation in them. They're, some of them are, three inches thick and some of them are six mm-hmm. I think they're varied so I got some thicker ones I got some thinner ones we got the thick ones strapping across the weird corner so they act as a base trap oh yeah 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 for the room um so so yeah they're they're good they look good it's a comfortable room to be in like all the actors we get in are like happy with it yeah sounds good for voice sounds good and uh, one of the nice things I would say about these is they're all just on wooden hooks so I can take them down. Yeah, that's nice. So if I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of fully recording on the floor, I can actually take all of them because they're only like four feet. So there's, you know, nothing from about three feet down to the floor or two feet down to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I can take them all off and put them all down on the floor and make a whole dead lower dead space so I can kind of move them around depending on what I'm doing, which is really nice. Right, 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 right. Um, so being flexible is... Yeah, and while I don't I don't think the rigid insulation is as absorptive as something like Roxel or Safe and Sound, it looks so much better, and it's, it's, it looks so much easier to work it's with. It's way, is really easy to, to deal with. I used Roxel, yeah. and it's absorptive as heck. It's really absorptive, but man, it's a pain to work with. Um, 
One of the things, because I think the Rigid is just as, as absorptive, if you get the right stuff, mm-hmm. um, go to the websites and look up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like Roxel and uh, Owens Corning have all the stats for all of this stuff on their website so you can compare, you know, which is the right stuff to get for what you want to do. Like mm-hmm. they have all the acoustic stuff. Uh, the other thing we did, this this room has a drop ceiling, and I just got them to fill all the drop ceiling in with insulation. Ah, yeah, nice. So, yeah. so there's an upper dead zone. Yeah, I built a drop ceiling for mine. Yeah. My current studio just out of rigid insulation and Roxel. Yeah. And just wooden frames. Yeah. So wasn't that expensive. So there's a lot of good DIY sites out there that list. And, and it's stuff you can do in a rental as well. Yep. Like mine, all my panels are just hanging from hooks also. Mm-hmm. Like they're just one, they're two holes in the wall each. Yeah, you can it's put like up. like hanging a picture. Yeah, you can put up minimal, you can put them up with minimal invasive kind of yeah. stuff. I also cut like a sick, a three inch hole in the wall <laughs> to put my cables through to the living room. But I kept the plug, I plan on yeah. repairing it. We won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, once you get serious, you just kind of throw the towel in on your damage deposit. <laughs> I'm not getting well, this back. Well, hopefully, too, like, if you learn how to do a lot of this yourself, then you can fix those things. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty handy now. Um, that's the other thing. Don't be too intimidated by how handy you are. You yeah. can build these frames with literally a handsaw and a hand drill. Yeah. I, all, my, yeah. all my frames I built with a handsaw and a hand drill and a paintbrush, basically. It was very even, limited tools. Yeah. Even if you don't, even if you don't, like, you don't have any of the tools, you don't have the space, you don't have anything, these are the kind of things that are not complex to build, and if you were to get a contractor, they'd be able to whip these up really fast. So fast. Yeah. So, it's not, they're not complex things to build. Yeah. I'm not building mine next time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need the drill. You could literally glue them. You, you can could, nail gun them. Yeah, you can nail gun them. You could glue them. You just them. bang, bang, bang. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So, panels are easy. Okay, uh, now we can talk about... There's also, you know, solutions you can buy. There's several different, um, you know, companies that sell acoustic foam solutions. So, you can go down to your local guitar center, whatever, big store, Tom Lee, and, and buy kits. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and I know um, several of them have sort of like, if your room is this big... This is the kit you can buy, and it will basically cover that much space. Yeah, totally. So if you really don't want to do anything, you can just go buy a kit and hang yep. stuff up, you too. You can always throw money at stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to work well for a lot of things. <laughs> just throw money just at throwing it. throwing money at it. <laughs> okay, so you've got your panels. Yep. You have placed them. Where do you put your workstation? This is something you should probably think of before you put your panels up. <laughs> but the general... Thinking is because of predictability of nodes. Yep. Um, is that you should be sitting as close to the center of the space as possible, mm-hmm. and your workspace should be around that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to get the most predictable stuff happening on the center. Hopefully, yeah. you're not sitting right in the middle of a node, but that'll be pretty easy to tell just by like tilting your head around once the speaker's hooked up. Yeah. Um, speaker uh, angle is important. Yep. And height is important. I'm not going to say any numbers because I can't exactly remember. There's 70 degrees or something. Better angles than others. So yep. like, look that up and get it right. Look that and, up. And make sure your tweeters are at your ears. Yeah. Mine are a bit low right now. Um, but, and you want the angle correct because that gives you accurate panning. Yeah. 
and your like your panning's going to be all messed up if your speakers are too wide, too narrow, mm-hmm. and angled funny. Yeah, and that's going to matter if you're doing quality stuff. I guess you can think of whether you want to sit or stand, or do both. That's an interesting thing. Because I don't know how height is affecting things other than you want to be in front of your speakers. So if you're well, doing a variable station, then your speakers should move with you. Yeah, because I've always I've always um, believed that the tweeters should be pointed at your ears. Mm-hmm. Like that's the height of your speakers. Right. So that so if your desk is going up and down and you're standing and sitting. Speakers got to go too. Your speakers should go too. Yeah. So I have a tall stool, so my sitting and standing is similar. Right. Your desk stays in the it's same pretty spot. similar. Yeah. yeah. And my desk doesn't solution. move. But I think my speakers are still too low. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody's complaining. Trouble in the in the chest. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that is where I'm currently at. Uh-huh. My next studio is going to be much more pro. Room yep. in a room. Room in a room. Nice square box. Mm-hmm. Nice predictable stuff. Yep. Um, I am going to do treat the hell out of it as well. Yep. Because I don't think I'll make a booth because mm-hmm. it'll take up too much space. So it's going to double Caitlin, us both. My wife wants more stuff to be in my room and not in the hallway. <laughs> so I need to store more things in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. That's cool. Are we done with that? I think we're done. I think we're I'm done sure that. there's that's other a, that's stuff. That's all I'm my, I'm sure like, there's stuff I'm missing, but. That's my uninformed uh, opinion on those yeah. things. <laughs> I hope that helps people out. You just don't get stressed about sandproofing. Pick a place where you don't need to soundproof. Yeah. And um, then treat it because treatment's cheap. Something I want to talk about that's nowhere, I don't have nearly anywhere near as much information about okay. as as that topic. Um, but I just wanted to talk about, because I've been seeing some other stuff about it recently and games that are doing it well and games that are doing it bad, is uh, game accessibility. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Um, and it's something that plays more into visuals than sound, but it's still something we as sound people should think about. Yeah, totally. Because there are a lot of visually impaired gamers that still play that aren't yeah. like completely blind. You know? Which which also is, I think the thing that gets talked about more often than not is how can we help as audio people help visually impaired people continue to play a game and get a full experience. And, yeah. you know, you hear about the visually impaired people who can play fighting games purely from the sound and like kick everybody's ass. And, yeah, totally. You know, there's a couple of guys doing that. And it's amazing and it's really awesome. Um, and it's really awesome that we can facilitate those people being able to keep playing games. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think doesn't get talked about as much, though, is the flip side of that, of hearing impaired people. Yeah. I think I think a lot of times as sound people, I know personally I, I, I talk about wanting to do sound-only stuff. Like, oh, it's going to be cool. Like, I'm going to, like, you know, create these events and, and situations that like are purely auditory and I'm going to add to the experience by just the sound because it's all going to happen off screen and I'm going to add to all this, and which is awesome, but also means that if you're deaf, you don't get any of that. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I don't have any solutions or anything for this other than like it's something to think about when you're doing audio-only cues. Mm-hmm. What's a fallback plan? Maybe it shouldn't be entirely audio only. Yeah. Um, and I found when I was looking around, I found this this site, uh, game-accessibility.com, um, that ranks games for their accessibility. 
Oh, so you can go and look up, and it's okay. it's a user run reviews, and people go in and go, okay, I played this game, and you know here's the the physical accessibility and the visual accessibility and the the hearing accessibility, and sort of rank it on all the things of like, oh, well, this one you know doesn't have color blindness mode, and it's got a bunch of color puzzles, so you're you're effed, um, right? This, and so I was able to filter by deaf, right? And it was like, here's all the games that people have said. Yeah, if you're deaf, you can totally play these games. You know, you're not going to be stuck. Right. Um, it's interesting. Lots of lots of really good games that sound really good. Right. Also pass that sort of test of being able to be also played as a as a deaf person. Yeah, it kind of flies in the face of a lot of things that we as sound people get really excited about. Yeah. If we're talking like if we're talking about PT, where a lot of the Vivid horror scenes are audio only. Mm-hmm. That's like if you can't hear, you're losing a lot of that experience. Yeah, but we as audio people obviously get very like worked up about that because we're like, look how much money you saved on animation. Yeah, so <laughs> so it does just reinforce the marriage of visuals and and yeah. sound. Like I read, uh, you know, I was just quickly kind of going through what people are saying about different games, and I can't remember it was a uh, some um, large FPS, and they were saying like you can't, you don't hear getting hit. You know, mm-hmm. your damage stuff, but there's a red flash. Yeah, so you can you can know that you're getting shot without ha- hearing anything, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. So then that's totally marrying the two things together. So, yeah. you know, something to think about. Yeah, and and something to think about um, in the not making ourselves the center point. How do we kind of step back and still make sure that people can enjoy our games without our experience? Yeah. Uh, so questions. Let's start first with a Slack channel question from uh, Rennie Coronado um, from Tonebenders asked, I thought this was interesting, favorite way to get big, fluffy, fluttery textures that still cut in a mix? Big, fluffy, fluttery textures. I I, I use Saturn for everything if I need something to cut. Yeah. If I need something to cut, tiny bit of saturation, and I just use the Saturn EQ boost. Which yeah. I pretend is like better for some reason, and I, I boost the highs because it doesn't have to be the the highs don't have to be shrill. It just makes things more audible. Yeah. But I also, if I ever need to need something to cut through a mix, I side chain. I I've been doing especially for my trailers. I've been doing yep. tons of uh, frequency sense or multi band side chaining. Mm-hmm. So using FabFilter Pro MB. I've experimented on it with a couple trailers and was really happy with the results. Mm-hmm. The last Duelist um, cutscene trailer we released, yeah, super busy, tons going on, just pounding music the whole time, and then it's a fight scene as well. Yeah, uh, Joey Joey edited it and then I mixed it, and with that I took the SFX bus and split it into four frequency bands. Mm-hmm. And then each of those bands I sent to a multi-band compressor on the music. And the I think the BGs I just compressed, like, they just sidechain compressed, period. <laughs> so they, they were just out of there when the music was, was going. Yeah. And it worked really, really well. So every so only when big low stuff is happening are the lows in the music being sidechained. Only when big high stuff is happening are the highs in the music being sidechained. Yeah. And that was along with just regular mixing happening as well. So I kept it pretty subtle. And yeah, man, you could, it, it, I was really, really happy with it. It feels like you can hear everything all the time, which is 
for a big loud trailer, that's what you want to be happening. Yeah. Yeah, I probably go in on the harmonic saturation in mm-hmm. some regard. Just get something, get some high sizzliness. Yeah. To it, and possibly, um, I'm thinking more of in-game assets I'm going to make and less of live mixing um, for a trailer. But hey, if you got the power, you could run compressors and side chaining within your do- within your middleware. Totally. As well. Yeah. Um, I just maybe not out. frequency sensitive. But yeah, yeah, it'd be awful. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's doable. It's probably proof. not that bad. It would just I, I'm afraid to try to set that up. Yeah. Um, maybe I would. And then I just you know EQ stuff mm-hmm. to to get out of the way, but still remain the fluffiness. Yeah, yeah. Give it space. M asked, like to know if you could have a magical day of uninterrupted silence to record at any one location or thing. What would it be? Oh man. Right now, a theme park because I'm working on a game, but that's not like my <laughs> dream thing. Em's actually going to go do that for me. Nice, <laughs> but not silence. She's gonna have to. She has to stealth record stealth it. Stealth it. Yeah. Um. Why do I want to go to a volcano? I would only get volcano sounds, but I th- still think that's pretty cool. I'm thinking of trying to think of exotic stuff. I would. I would just want to go somewhere incredibly quiet. Yeah. And record incredibly quiet things. Yeah. So anechoic chamber with as much junk, junk as you can no, muster. Just, just like a like a f- a far Burns a place like. very far from any human anything. Yeah. So that I can be like outside and record like almost silence. Right. Just the the utmost barest of nature. Burns Lake in October. You know. You have like reason to go there sometimes. Northern Iceland. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just away from everything, and then. Um, just quiet things in that space that yeah. would be really hard to capture yeah. with any external noise going on. I I have a fantasy to someday be a wildlife recordist. Yeah? Yeah. I had so much fun in Peru, in which I talk about like every single podcast. <laughs> if that was my job, that would yeah. be amazing. Just having a big dish mic in the woods. Doing like Andy, Andy Martin going to yeah. do his Northwest recording experience. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the dream. It's super awesome. That is so awesome. So yeah, it, I want to go to the woods, basically. It's not even that hard. I just I like the woods. Thanks, Sam. Loose bean audio. Is there a sound you enjoy hearing and is there a sound you can't stand? Sounds I enjoy hearing hearing? Yeah. Love water sounds. Yeah. I would say not library sounds, but just like you just like water sounds, sounds. I like hearing. I yeah. like water. Slow, not like white water, mm-hmm. trickly stuff. People walking around in water. This is almost an AM- ASMR thing, though. <laughs> yeah. It's getting weird. It's like, yeah, sloshy things. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, I like bike gears. Yeah. Any Gr- Growing up by chunks for so long, just the like the spin of a cassette that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd love that. Like it's but that and that goes back to like childhood. Yeah, like, there's a lot of personal experience involved with sounds. Yeah. And so and like like BMXing, like jumping too, where like there's a different sound the bike makes on the ground versus the air and that, that change. Right. Of like when you go off a jump and like it, it the sound changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sound of just the ticking as you say land go through the air and cool. land. Cool. Like that's a that's a very pleasurable. Yeah sound to me yeah 
things I can't stand. People chewing. I don't think that's a very original one. That's a really <laughs> annoying sound. Uh, I don't know if there's... I don't know what I can't stand off the top of my head. Nails on a chalkboard. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the kind standard, of, like... It's pretty standard. Grady. I'm trying to think of a... Is there something that makes me crazy that other, doesn't is, make other people crazy? I, I know I've got some stuff, and I can't think of it right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, sure. Nails on a chalkboard. I'll just <laughs> go with that for the time being. Richard Sims asked... I don't know if I've got an answer for this one. This is always a tough one. Uh, what's your favorite game sound design-wise? I Well, we've answered this a bunch of times before, Yeah, I think. There's no one thing. I'm, no. I'm loving Soma. Soma's sounding good. Yeah. I always love the BF series. I love Limbo. Yeah, Limbo's can't, awesome. Can't wait to try out Below and can't wait to try out Inside. I'm so excited well. by Inside. Yeah, Inside looks... Hey, they, they're, they're ramping up. It's coming yeah. out. I'm so excited. Yeah. So that's going to be good. So our favorite sounding game hasn't come out yet. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I saw the talk about Inside mm-hmm. at GDC and was so excited. I was 50% incredibly excited to go do super awesome audio things and 50% I'm going to go home and quit because I can never live up to what's going on there. <laughs> that is so like beyond amazing of what hey, I can ever do. Hey, they've spent a long time working oh, on it. Oh, they totally. Yeah. That was the other. I was like, I wanted to come home like, um, all right, uh, we can't ship a game for five years because yeah, I want to work on a game for five years now. <laughs> yeah, one game, five years, please. <laughs> Chris, Tamek? Mm-hmm. I'm horrible at people's names. I'm sorry, Chris. Tamek. Tamek. Uh, how do you find the balance between aesthetic, gameplay, and performance? What kind of performance are we talking about? Uh, I asked for clarity on that, and he didn't get back to me. Okay. Like, are we talking about CPU performance or the performance of the sound itself? Mm. I find the performance, we're going to go with performance of the sound because okay. I don't think aesthetic, like, well, I think that's a, I think that's a CPU that much. No, but I think those are, th- how do you balance, like, your aesthetic choices versus your gameplay choices versus the, like, oh, yeah, yeah, because you want to layer everything forever, right? Yeah. You're the, the performance, like, how much, how much are you going to kill the CPU? On, I just on go until somebody cries. <laughs> until someone if until someone tells me to stop, I keep laying it on the performance, and then I cry. Yeah, because I have to figure out how to crush it all down. Yeah, I'm also I'm also in that regard. When it comes to performance issues, I don't really ever think of performance until somebody makes me. Yeah, I just you know just put it all in, and then at some point a programmer is going to come to me and go, you know what, you're taking up using like a gig of RAM, too much stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'll go turn the compression on now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. <laughs> and then, yeah. I, I An aesthetic so. gameplay, I feel I feel like gameplay comes first. You know, at the end of the day, we're it's a game. We're serving the game. And the aesthetic comes second. So if it's a cool aesthetic thing, but it's getting in the way of gameplay, gameplay wins. I'm going to I'm gonna make way for... Yeah, absolutely. Which can be tough, because we can make super cool stuff that we're really into aesthetically because it adds to this whole like feeling and everything of like the world building a game and then you're like but it just you know or maybe it sounds like the wrong you know sometimes you make an awesome sound oh this happens to me with music a lot especially in bunker punks where it's the music is so noise oriented yeah where i've had to pull things because they sounded like you know bad guys oh yeah like there's sort of robotic squeals and stuff in the music Right, and it and, gets confusing. And with players the sound are effects. like, "What the heck was that?" Yeah, and they're looking around. It's like when there's if somebody puts a, a 
cop siren and a radio ad. Yeah. And you're just like, ah, why would you do you're that? You're pulling your car over and yeah. you're like, why isn't anybody else doing yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. So that's a thing. That's when you you have to duck your aesthetic choices for gameplay. Yeah. Um, Anything Closing to announcements. Got any? I got something. You, I, well, we I got two things. I got two things. I got stuff. All right. Announce away. Um, we're finishing the game Fossil Echo. Woo-hoo. Super proud of that. Uh, myself and a few other very skilled sound designers have worked yep. on that. Um, so M Halberstadt's been doing tons on that. She's my other team member. Yep. At Shell in the Pit Audio. Jordan Ivy did some work on it, and Joey Van Alten's done some work on it too. Awesome. So I would like to thank them. And to everybody listening, you can check it out July 2nd. It'll be available on Steam. Cool. And it's just a beautiful painterly platformer. If you liked Ico, Ori, yep. Limbo. Maybe even a little bit of Super Meat Boy because it's pretty hard. <laughs> um, some people, I, I didn't find it super hard, but then I realized yeah. I've been playing a lot of kind of trickier platformy games. Yeah. And John Robert Matz did the score, and mm-hmm. the score is like unbelievable. Yeah. It's the best soundtrack of any game I've worked on. I'm so mad because I didn't write it. <laughs> but uh, it's it's incredible. So Sweet. Go check that out. It's All Fossil right. Echo. I think that's it for my announcements. I'll have more next time. My two announcements. Um, one, I have started up doing coaching via Skype chats through my website. If you go to wootwootsound.com slash blog, find a link to it there. I'm running it on a by donation basis because I've seen people do this kind of stuff for really large amounts of money and that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I want to help people. And if you don't have a lot of money when you're starting out, you should still be able to access some help. So if you want to chat with me specifically about something that you need help on, uh, hit me up. Sweet. We'll organize chatting. All right. The other thing, uh, in July, we have Audio Bash 2.0. We have dates. July 16th, Audio Bash 2.0. Bellingham, Washington. Bellingham, Washington, the Vancouver Sound Design Community, and the Seattle Sound Design community are getting together again for a half day of talks and then hanging out and dinners and stuff. Uh, we're going to have um, like five, five, six talks, mm-hmm. some crowdsourced talks. Uh, we got some people lined up from Vancouver, got some people lined up from Seattle. Uh, we're all going to get together. It's going to be really awesome. Anybody in the area should totally come out and see it. Uh, the last one was super awesome. Yeah, it was so good. Um, these are like GDC level talks. It's free. You just have to get there. So come on out. It's going to be awesome. I'll, I'll buy donuts for the second year in a row. Second year running donut sponsor. The official donut sponsor <laughs> of the Bellingham audio bash. So yeah, that was it. That's okay. my, my, my things come out. Great. All right. That Thanks for listening. Uh, Talk to you next month. Later. <laughs>